Welcome to the Not A Fickers That Boy Malcolm Show. I am your host, That Boy Malcolm. Uh, I got a little lazy. And that's the reason why there hasn't been a show for a while. Um, there has been a lot of sports news going on. But uh, as, for, as for now, I just really haven't been... I guess in the mood or whatever. Well, not even in the mood. I've been steady busy. Because I have a lot of things going on. And I want to keep myself busy with some things. So I pretty much put a heavy workload on myself. Because I was working uh, extra overtime for my job. And before that I was working two jobs. So, uh, But... Since it's been so long, there it has been a lot of news uh, recently in sports. Um, right now, as the NBA stands right now, uh, the Golden State Warriors are are haven't seems to not be able to be beaten. They cannot be beaten. Their rec- current record, as of right now. Their current record, as of right now, let me check this for you, is 20-0. and 0. And for the looks of it, there might not be, a, even though they're on a road, road stretch right now, the, they started um, A seven-game road stretch. Right now, they're two and zero in that seven-game road stretch, and the the remaining five games are at Toronto, uh, at New at the Nets, New at Brooklyn on a back-to-back. So that will be interesting. That's an interesting one to pay attention to because it's a, only because it's a back-to-back. Then they go to Indiana. Which is a, which is probably out of all the games I'm looking at on their <clears throat> upcoming schedule, is the most likely to to be able to defeat them. Then they go to Boston and then they finish up in Milwaukee. And if that doesn't happen, if they don't lose a game within that period, uh, it's gonna be tough because the, the games after that are. Uh, are home Phoenix, Milwaukee, the Jazz, and the Cavaliers on Christmas Day, which if they don't lose by the time they play the Cavaliers, that will be the game I'm picking for them to lose. But I would say the likely games of them losing are at Brooklyn because of the back-to-back situation, <clears throat> uh, at Indiana. Because of how 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 good the Pacers are playing so far this season, which is like people, some people are surprised by their performance, but it really shouldn't surprise anyone. They were a perennial perennial top team in the East before Paul George got hurt a couple uh, uh, a couple of years ago, and Paul George is back. Uh, they still have the same coach. They still emphasize defense. Paul George still is Paul George. He's he's came back strong. Um, maybe the Bucks game 
And that's only because that's a back-to-back after Boston. Now, the key to those back-to-back situations are not the fact that the team's as much of a threat, but the teams they play beforehand could put them in a late enough situation to have to play deep into games because uh, they played at Toronto before the back-to-back against Brooklyn, and they played at Boston before the back-to-back against the Bucks. So those could be strenuous enough games that they could be worn down on those second games of the back-to-back because those teams are young teams and they have they have a, this, the athleticism to maybe challenge Golden State, especially if Golden State have an off night along with them those other teams having a hot night. But... But, uh, yes, the Golden State Warriors seem to be unbeatable. Uh, other, te- other news, uh, the Bulls are 11-5 and five in the NBA. The Cavs are 13-6 right now. There's really no surprises in the East. I, I guess Indiana's a surprise to some, but Indiana's really not that much of a surprise. The Heat are playing up to par as the fourth seed. Uh, but it, it was kind of early to tell. In the West, that's where all the surprises are. Uh, in the Western Conference, the, at the top, the top three teams, there's really no surprise there. Uh, the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Thunder. But then after that, you got the Grizzlies, who are a capable team. The Mavericks, who are playing, playing pretty well for themselves. The Clippers are underachieving. And the Jazz are playing. The Jazz is one of those teams that people see as a team that could jump into that playoff picture that wasn't in the year before. Uh, and the Rockets, who for the first period of the season is back into a top eight seed in the West. Uh, so your underachieving teams, the Clippers and the Rockets, right now, and and the Pelicans. The Pelicans are looking at. Right now, not making the plows unless they just get on a run. Um, but it, like I said, it's early to tell in the NBA. Um, other news, others in other news. Uh, recently, uh, I should have talked if I would have been doing the shows. Uh, it, uh, Senator John McCain basically exposed. Uh, the fact that the United States military has been paying sports franchises for those beautiful moments that we love so much. And apparently those moments are not genuine. Um, you know, when you see, uh, when you, when you watch a game or a football game, baseball game, whatever, and you see a, a military troop surprise their kids or family members or whatnot at games, it turns to fi- we we turn to find out that those are fake and those are basically nothing but military commercials, and so our government was paying already wealthy sports franchises and owners money to to uh to have to make it seem like it was genuine it, to basically show us moments to make make people have heartfelt moments. And it turns to turns to realize that um, this was paid for by the government. Um, in other new other sports, other news. Um, um, 
recently the Greg Hardy uh, audio came out and pretty much people lost their mind um, We're just gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna play a little bit for for you guys. Oh shoot! I got caught with them YouTube commercials. And Carolina Panther Greg Hardy will probably spend the night in jail. Channel Nine broke the news of his arrest just hours ago. Police say Hardy assaulted his 24-year-old girlfriend at an apartment the two had been dating since last September, according to the report, that also said she suffered scratches and bruises but refused treatment. Hardy was arrested on charges of assault on a female and communicating threats around 4 o'clock this morning. Domestic violence charges against Panthers defensive end Greg Hardy were dismissed today after the district attorney claimed the accuser in the case could not be located. The DA also said in a statement that they have reliable information that Hardy and his ex-girlfriend reached a civil settlement and that she intentionally made herself unavailable. This is pretty much going through the whole account of what was going on. I know you football-oriented, but what have you learned as a man throughout this entire process? And will there be any change? That you should probably eat before you go to practice with Tyrus Smith. you feel like you've been found guilty and had to prove yourself innocent during this whole process at all? It's been a blur, you know, just been coming, getting ready to come back. And now that I'm back, I don't reminisce. I don't look back. I have no problem with the Dallas Cowboys signing Greg Hardy. From a business perspective, as it pertains to the National Football League, it would appear to be a plausible, reasonable business investment because he supposedly helps yep. more than he hurts. I said this before, back on August 28th, and I say it again now. I got it wrong in the handling of the Ray Rice matter. But now I will get it right and do whatever is necessary to accomplish that. Our policy is not the same as a criminal standard. It's a standard that says if you violate our personal conduct policy, you're subject to discipline. He's uh, one of the real leaders uh, on this team, and uh, he earns it. He earns it with respect from all of his teammates, and uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that uh, uh, inspires. And uh, that's a little bit of the, you know, the past, the background of the whole situation. Um, now, the reason why I, I, I just decided to play a little uh, the back backstory of that, but the reason why that became a story because apparently the pit, the photos came out of uh, the young lady. Uh, what is her name? The young lady uh, that uh, pretty much was uh, Greg Hardy's uh, Greg Hardy's uh, fiance, and something that caught my attention about it is um, I, I I read a recent article, and I'm just gonna. Uh, by the way, her name is uh, uh never mind. That is not her name. Uh. <laughs> 
but something caught my attention on it. Uh, 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 this uh, article written by uh, by uh, uh, Jason Wicklot. Uh, you you may know him uh, from uh, ESPN, Fox Sports. Uh, he used to write for both uh, both networks, both websites. And I'm gonna read a little bit from it, and it it kind of opens the eyes because he points out basically. First of all, let me play something else up, uh, from Whitlock. I'm going to play this. Uh, this is uh, Jason Whitlock being uh, interviewed on The Herd. This is this is uh, months ago. This is uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, it's just an interesting look, listen on his view of it. You wrote a column on Greg Hardy. Your columns here have been great, by the way. Thank you. Um, and you touch on uh, so many touchstones that I think are so fascinating culturally. And you said that Hardy had become a target for the outrage police. Um, I said mostly the same thing on my show a couple days ago. I said, listen, he's a creep. We can all agree with that, but Pablo Escobar had leadership skills. So the idea that you have to be a saint to be a leader, what do you mean outrage police? Well, I think there are people that on the Internet, particularly in social media, Twitter, and in the blogosphere, that spend all their time trying to figure out what they should be outraged and directing people directing outrage at certain people that they've decided this is a bad person, so we should be outraged. And so I, I look at Greg Hardy doing pretty much the exact same thing Des Bryant did a couple years ago, and people defended Des Bryant and said, hey, look, Tom Brady and Tony Romo throw tantrums and no one says anything. And so they basically played the race card in defense of Des Bryant. And now here, two years later, when it's Greg Hardy, well, we've decided Greg Hardy's a bad guy, so we're not going to throw that race car defense, and we're going to say this is outrageous, and there's no room for this in football. And I'm like, we just saw this two years ago, and the guy that did it two years ago is the same guy trying to calm Greg Hardy down. And so I don't think we need to ban Greg Hardy from football to fix this. The Cowboys somehow have made progress with Des Bryant because instead of being the guy throwing the tantrum, he's now the guy trying to calm the guy down from the tantrum. So whatever they did for Des Bryant, do that for Greg Hardy. But let's don't, in a game of football, a game of intimidation, of imposing will, let's don't act like that Greg Hardy losing his temper for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, however long it was, disqualifies him as a leader in a group of people who intimidate for a living. Well, you, you said you grew up, again, I grew up in a boring rural neighborhood. You grew up in a neighborhood where there was action. Who were the leaders in your neighborhood? Were they all good guys? Uh, to be honest, in my neighborhood, keep in mind, started in the hood, then moved to a working class suburb. I was the leader in my neighborhood. Right. I was the captain of my football team. I was the guy that people looked up to, particularly in my situation because we had busing at my school. I was the bridge between black and white in my school. Uh, and I tend to think of myself as a good guy. Uh, not, I, I don't think I was a good guy all the time. I certainly did some things I regret as a young person. But uh, in today's modern culture, and particularly in a football culture, the bad guy a lot of times is the leader, yeah. and he's a good leader yeah. uh, a lot of times. And so it's like I hear Jerry Jones saying this guy's a leader on my football team. I'm not taking that at face value, but I am aware of the fact 
Jerry Jones knows far more about the dynamics and the chemistry of that Cowboys locker room than those of us sitting on TV or sitting at a laptop speculating about what makes Tyrion Smith or uh, DeMarcus Ware or Cameron Sean Lee, what kind of leadership do they respect? They respect a guy who can make plays and help them win, and Greg Hardy can do that. Now, that was uh, Jason Whitlock. He was discussing because uh, about, a, about a month ago, the Greg Hardy had a little outburst on the bench, and pretty much the media made a big deal out of it. Um, and I just wanted to give a background on uh, a little bit about how Whitlock views a little bit of how the media has been covering Greg Hardy. Now, now, uh, now here, I'm going to read a little bit some from the article he did uh, on basically the whole this whole situation with uh, Greg Hardy and the domestic violence situation. Did a white woman did a, did a white woman a, a, and a, a white man and a black woman with deep knowledge of criminal systems uh, system scheme to let a hulking black man escape prison for beating the hell out of a white woman. The courts are likely to judge uh, uh, inside Judge Tin's court a magnum a magnum cum laude graduate of uh, of Harvard Judge Tin is the co-chair and her of a um, mater battered women's advocacy pro project. 2007, Judge Tin was involved in a controversial case relating domestic violence that left her by her admission traumatized over. Over the objection of 32-year-old Sonia Long, judge issued a less restrictive restraining order, order against Long's estranged husband, Anthony Long. One week later, Anthony Long was murdered by his wife. Domestic violence is an issue Judge Tin likely takes more serious than the sports writers punicating about what Jerry Jones and the Cowboys should do with Greg Hardy. So why did the system specialize in handling the issue? issues go far easier on Hardy than Roger Goodell in the NFL? Probably because the criminal justice system deals with, the thousand, with, deals with thousands of domestic, domestic issues annually, has a more mature perspective, and doesn't at, at the moment have an answer for the outraged media. Greg Harder and his victim, Nicole Holder, did not live together at the time of the incident. Both parties reportedly drank a great, at, to great excess. Holder admitted using cocaine on the night of the altercation. She also conceded hitting and attacking Hardy and his assistant, Sammy Curtis, she attributed the injuries on her arm to Curtis, whom claimed, who she claimed forcefully carried and removed her from the tiny bedroom office where the main incident took place. Hardy, not Holder, called police. Reading the police reports and interviews paints a muddy, muddy picture of the highly dysfunctional relationship soaked for at least one night. In alcohol, cocaine, and mistrust, an inevitable, inevitable erupted into flurry and a drunken violence that left Holder bruised and Hardy cussed. A story published by the Charlotte Observer in February offered an explanation 
why the district attorney dropped the case rather than fight Hardy's appeal. Holder's lack of cooperation is far from the long reason. Victims and witnesses routinely stop cooperating in domestic abuse cases, and prosecutors still have to make court cases. Case, I mean, have, have have to take the cases to court. Murray, though, said the Hardy case is different. He also appeared to raise doubts about Holder's credibility in a statement to the judge, but. But other details also raise unanswered questions about the prosecutor's handling of the case. Hardy's defense team announced an appeal of his conviction before leaving court in July. But Murray said prosecutors only recently had compared what Holder told the police the night of the alleged assault with her, her testimony in the in the trial uh, in the Hardy first trial. Greg Hardy. All has has been described as a monster in one of the in the country's most influ, influential publications. He's labeled a human garbage on TV. There are countless calls to have him removed from the NFL. Again, I'm not here to defend Hardy. His actions a year ago unworthy of defense. But it but I have to take indefensible violent actions in my lifetime as a 22 year old. Uh, at Ball State University, drunk and jealous, I beat up a male student half my size inside a popular bar because I was bothered by the way he danced with a girl I liked. The next day, the girl called me irate and demanded that I pay for the boy's bloody torn shirt. I was mortified. I apologized profusely. I made rest restitution. More importantly, I committed to a life of nonviolence I involved. America, land, America is the land of second and third chances. Greg Hardy shouldn't be al uh, allowed to play in the NFL. Our courts convicted the, the vacated misdemeanor assault convention. In, is great journalism reading through documents, cherry-picking damning information, framing those facts in a more sensitive, um, in a more, most sensational fashion? Where's the context? Where's the fairness? Where's the journalistic consistency? Just five months ago, the writer responsible for, the, for this Hardy investigation wrote a piece of exploring soccer goalie Hope Solo violent cr criminal behavior. Prosecutors have pursued without co cooperation of, from Solo's victims. The article is titled, Hope Solo is not a problem. It makes the point that the NFL and the, and the U.S. Women's National Team and other entertainment executives are qualified to play judge and jury on these issues. The writer ends the piece with the words, But don't get mad over solo playing. Sports fans long ago learned to accept our male heroes for, as anything but heroic. It's time to let our women be the same. Are we the media and bloggers feel qualified of uh, to play judge and jury? At the moment, we're struggling to play journalists. I had pretty much read a, a bunch of that article because I want to paint the whole picture. Um, I kind of agree with 
the thing that's not being talked about in the media, uh, uh, that wasn't talked about, because this is kind of old news and, you know, me lagging. Um, there is a situation where Greg Hardy, uh, fiance, uh, and I forget her name again, she basically, she was high on, high on cocaine. She she admitted this. She was uh, drinking he heavily. Both her and Hardy was drinking heavily. She initiated the physical contact in this situation. Also, um, she it, it appears that her uh, I mean Hardy also was the one who called the police. Like everybody focused on a phone call made by someone else in the area. Hardy also made a phone call to the police, but no one discussed that. And lastly. And, and lastly, um, she's she wasn't a credible witness. So, pretty much, what can we believe from the claims that Hardy threw on some guns and said that she was gonna he was gonna kill her, and and these other claims that that's the reason why she dropped out and out of uh, she dropped out of the situation uh, of the charge. Uh, she she refused to testify. And she dropped the charges. The reasons was she she knew she wasn't a credible uh, she wasn't credible in the situation, and there's this false claim that uh, Greg Hart the reason why she dropped it was because Greg Hardy paid her off, and in actuality, that the the money came be after uh, in a uh, separate uh, separate lawsuit situation lawsuit settlement situation. In which had nothing to do with the court court case. Also, the fact is, is even by her dropping the case, the state still has the right to pursue the case. And the reason why they didn't pursue the case was because she was incredible. But you won't hear that on ESPN. You won't hear that on a lot of sports radio. You you may hear it on some. But you won't hear that on a lot of sports radio. Let me get this straight. I, I'm not a person who agrees a lot of time uh, with uh, Jason Whitlock. But it's, he, he's a good writer and he makes good points. Even though sometimes, you know, you know, you know, he says. But that's the thing about being controversial. You don't always say what people like. Controversial means that you go against the grain. Uh, but let me uh, take a quick break. I guess I'll play a little comedy for you. Because we come a long way, man. We could do some white guy crying. That's, that's traditional white guy stuff. Sniper. Nobody thought that was a black dude, man. That's traditional crazy white guy stuff. Like chloroforming women. That's a white guy crying. Chloroforming. <laughs>
Like, white women make me real nervous. White women make me nervous as hell. Not right now, because it's witnesses, but I'm talking about... Like at night when they by themselves, you know what I mean, walking towards me. She could be nervous too. I'm a big dude. Like, oh Jesus, you know, big black guy is walking towards me. Hope he doesn't. <laughs> hope he doesn't grab. You know, getting that fantasy going. Hope he doesn't grab me with his big black arms and <laughs> throw me in a trunk. <laughs> and I'm thinking the same thing. Like, oh Jesus, I hope nobody kills this white woman because I'm gonna get blamed for it. <laughs> That's why I look. I do a lot of stuff to protect myself, man. I keep my receipts. Uh, I collect receipts because that's a trail of where you've been, man. You Everywhere I go, I get a receipt. I don't care. And I never go more than a half hour without buying something because you can kill somebody in a half hour and then you ain't going to have, you need an alibi. So every 15 minutes I buy something, uh, stick a gum. Can I get my receipt for that, please? We don't have receipts for gum, my friend. Well, you're going to have to... We don't have receipts. Well, look, you don't have to write me one or something. I got to have the receipts. I mean, don't have receipts. And then, you know, if it's like that, I'll end up arguing with him just to, you know, so he remembers me. You know what I mean? Give me my damn receipt, pussy. What? You heard me, punk? Kiss my ass. Yeah, kiss my ass, too. What time is it? 5.15. All right. You wasn't out telling someone because you really have with me. That's why I don't litter. I don't throw garbage in the street. Not because I care about the earth, but I'm afraid I'm going to be walking through the park drinking a soda. And when I'm done, I just throw it on my shoulder, flower bush, and land on some dead white woman's head with my fingerprints on the can. Now I'm the Pepsi Cola rapist because I'm lazy. That is the late great Patrice O'Neill, who, uh, in actuality, November the 29th was the fourth year anniversary of his passing. Probably one of the, <laughs> probably one of the most underrated funny comedians that, like, anybody in comedy knows who he is. Like, a lot of people who are outside of com- comedy who, you know, who doesn't, you know, who who's, doesn't really pay attention to comedy except for who, you know, the big people on stage or in movies wouldn't know much about him or if they do, they you know, that you know, they pay attention. But he is the purity of what a stand up comedian was. Um also uh in, in going back into sports news, uh Tim Wolf, uh, th- that was the situation uh, over the last month uh, at the University of Missouri, in which a lot of uh, a lot of Missouri players were. Uh, uh, I mean, what happened is it was uh, a lot of people in Missouri were protesting uh, the racial tensions at the campus, and they were trying to go to Tim Wolf, who was the president at the time of uh, Missouri. And that was the problem. Was was uh, uh, the problem was was uh, Tim Wolf would not do anything. He was basically it got to a point where the people who were protesting were feeling like he was just ignoring them. Uh, there was there was situations uh, which they tried to uh, 
try to get him to basically talk, talk to uh, talk to the teens, talk to the you know students, and he basically he basically uh, he basically avoided the situation. That's pretty much what what we get from it. That's pretty much the claim on the campus. Now, a lot of those racial tensions, and if you, if you, I, I, honestly, I want to say it's, it's possible. From what I hear, it started from what happened uh, just a couple of years ago with the whole uh, uh, Ferguson situation, and it basically escalated all the way through the, you know, basically it escalated to the school campus. Uh, things that were done, basically vandalism, uh, someone, I mean, it, it got to a point like it was just open free racism on the campus. Uh, here's a student, uh, discussing, uh, discussing this. Really? So many. Well, this is, uh, some of the people on the campus discussing, uh, before, uh, Wolf stepped down, demanding him to step down. Resigns. We've seen after Ferguson, uh, strong leadership come out of the student body to say, um, we, you know, we can't do this anymore. We have to make changes. Changes to a campus that some students say is an unsafe learning environment for minorities, citing several racial incidents over the past semester. Homecoming King Peyton Head says the same thing happened to him. This isn't just me who is going through this. These are students coming from all different backgrounds who endure this. If you're different, if you're not white, male, Christian, conservative, um, you get treated differently. As protesters' demands gain national attention, some say campus is tense. It was unclear who paraded the Confederate flag past protesters Sunday, but the intent seemed obvious to those who saw it. Students are now being threatened, and uh, um, you know violence can escalate, and we just hope those things don't happen. It's affecting uh, like regular just everyday class. I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just it, it just seems like from what I've been hearing that a lot of students uh, are either getting irritated with it or or think that it's something good. I, I think we're all kind of confused about who's it, who's to blame here and um, I guess the right actions to take to actually see some improvement here. While these protesters and others wait to see if Monday's Board of Curators meeting results in any leadership changes, graduate students across the campus are said to be walking out of class both Monday and Tuesday. President Wolf issued a statement today saying he was dedicated to ongoing dialogue and promised specific plans in the coming months. He says he is listening to all sides and is confident they can come together to improve the student experience. Now, apparently what happened is... Uh Tim Wolf decided to step down after the Missouri football team got involved with the situation and uh, basically out of protest, even even with the coach agreeing to stand behind his uh, his uh, his athletes, that uh, if Wolf didn't step down, they wasn't gonna play. And honestly, I think that's the reason why Wolf stepped down from the pressure of the university telling him let me because of. Football is the one 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 institution in college football, uh, college sports, or uh, college campus that brings in so much revenue that supports universities' uh, income. And so Wolf stepped down, 
and as of right now, we're going to see what happens. And to be honest, the way I look at it is unless changes are made on the campus, unless they demand, because you can't just demand that the president step down and that's all your demands are, because if that's pretty much what the demand is, it's going to be a continuation of the same issues that was happening at Missouri. Pretty much that's how it always happened. If you just ask for a head, because that's the whole fight. Uh, the whole, you know, fire sticks coming, uh, fire sticks and coming up, asking for a head to be chopped off, basically mentality we have. We can't have that mentality with our solution. We really that mentality means nothing if you don't have a solution to the problem. So we're gonna see, we're gonna see within the upcoming years if things change around Missouri, you may have to find out from Missouri students if things change or will they continue on. Okay, uh, now I'm going to play a little bit something for you guys. It's uh, me doing another stand-up. Uh, so I'm gonna take, we're going to take another break and, and we'll get back to some actual sports again. All over his name, Dead Boy Malcolm! <laughs> I failed. You were so cool about that. Whoa. First of all, fuck that bitch Mary Bridgman. And I'm starting off with that there because uh, about a m two months ago, I lost my job because she snitched on me. So <laughs> fuck that bitch. And you know what? It's kind of my fault. I should have known she was going to snitch. She fit all the stereotypes. Short, short chick with about a pound worth of weave in her head. And... You know, uh, look like she can sing real good. Like she can just come on Apollo and be like, "No, no, no, no way." <laughs> okay, I can't sing, but you get you get what I'm saying. <laughs> and so I lost my job because of her. But uh, I pulled it pulled it together about a uh, about a, a couple of weeks later. Got me a new job, pay a little bit more money. So this is the last time I mention her name again because you know I don't want to thank her. Um, <laughs> Also, uh, any veterans out there, military people out there, former military? Okay, I guess I'm the only one. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday was uh, Veterans Day, and, you know, this is like a day, you know, us vets, we go get our, our discount meals and whatever. And what's funny is, is uh, I came across, I, I noticed something like when, you know, when after I pay for, uh, pay for my uh, drink, because, you know, the drink's not free, but everything else is free. But after I pay for my drink, they say, uh, thank you for your service. And I realized something. I was about to say you're welcome, but then I kind of realized, ain't that kind of a douchey thing to say to somebody? Like, they thank you for your service, and you're like, you're welcome. Like, I'm the <laughs> shit. <laughs> um... I went to a funeral not too long ago and left my doggone ringtone ring or ringtone on my phone. And you know, everybody's sad and everything, you know, as most funerals. And my phone ringtone was I will survive. So yeah, I'm I'm looking like an asshole there too. Um <laughs> But back to that bitch Mary Bridgman. I said I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> the thing 
that uh, another thing that tripped me out is you know she looked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe her perfectly. I, she looks not only she looks like she can sing at at the Apollo, but it looks like she has like a powerful makeup on her face, and she looks like one of those chicks that uh looked up the drag queens or something like that. But nah, that's enough about Mary Bridgman. Um, <laughs> What else? What else? Um, I sit here and I, I'm sitting here wondering uh, what I'm going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do. I really have no plans and and I guess that's how I wrap this thing up because I really didn't have nothing to wrap this thing up. But uh, thank, this was really more therapy for me, so uh, thanks a lot, guys. And this is what happens when you forget your last joke. <laughs> but, you know, this is, uh, I guess that's a little fun thing for me. Uh, uh, me doing my little uh, open mic stand-up sucking, as I always do. But it's it's fun. It's real, real fun for me. It, it gets out of a little stress. It gets out of a little tension. You know, something to get, you know, to do. Um, college football this week. Um, this is uh, basically championship weekend. Uh, Clemson playing North Carolina. If Clemson win, Clemson is a shoe-in for the, the NCAA playoffs. The only team that is shoe-in before, well, by the time this podcast is posted, is probably it probably will be settled by then. But the only school that is a shoe-in uh, is Oklahoma because they're they have they have no more games. But besides, uh, uh, but see, Clemson play North Carolina, Alabama play Florida, and I will play Michigan State. Our Michigan State is pretty much a play-in game. Winner that game uh, wins the Big Ten championship and also makes the Final Four because Iowa is number four in the uh, uh, in the rankings in the uh, college football uh, championship rankings, and Michigan State is five. So winner's gonna get in. I wouldn't be surprised if also the winner that game moves up in rank and Oklahoma drops the four fourth seed. And a winner of that will either go up to three or two. Uh, now, if Clemson loses, it just changes the whole dynamic because by Clemson losing, if Stanford uh, beats, uh, if Stanford wins their conference championship, there's a as a chance that Stanford could jump Ohio State uh, and be in the Final Four, or they may move Ohio State in the Final Four. I think more likely they would dr- jump Stanford. Winning their conference uh, into the uh, into the playoffs because Ohio State no longer having games. Stanford will be beating a ranked uh, a ranked uh, Stanford be beating a ranked uh, USC team to move into the national champ. I mean, root which uh, to win uh, the Pac twelve. Um. As a UT fan, uh, UT pretty much beat Baylor today, so that that's uh, that's some news. Uh, UT uh, Tyrone swoops through 151 yards, one touchdown, 12 for 19 passing. Uh, Chris Warren the third ran uh, 28 times for 106 yards. Uh, Tyrone swoops also scored a touchdown running with 10. 10, 50, 10 carries for 52 yards. Uh, Baylor pretty much was down to their f- 
to their emergency quarterback. So pretty much uh, it ended up being Lynx Hawthorne, who's basically a a wide receiver who ended up playing uh, quarterback today. And he went 10 for 22 with 64 passing yards and two interceptions. So basically this game basically saved uh, Texas. Oh, well, I take that back. It didn't save Texas. Basically because uh, Baylor put up 479 yards, this officially makes this year's Texas team the worst defense in Texas school history. Um because I think the number was like 350 yards or somewhere in that frame. If Baylor got that, this would be the Texas' worst defense ever. Uh, but Texas, uh, Baylor ended up running the ball well with uh, with uh, Johnny Jefferson running the ball 23 times, 158 yards, one touchdown. Hawthorne ran the ball for 66 yards with a touchdown. And... Terrence Williams uh, ran the ball 11 times for 42. Pretty much they had, let's see, Baylor had one, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six players run the ball for at least 30 yards uh, with a big sum coming from Jefferson, Johnny Jefferson, Um, which is ironic because Baylor's known for a passing team and they couldn't pass the ball today. But Texas beat Baylor 23-17. to Right now, Florida is leading Alabama uh, 7-2. to uh, Alabama only points coming from a, uh, a safety. Uh, from a safety. Let me make sure I get that right for you guys. With 9-11 in the first quarter. As a... Uh, yeah, it doesn't really say team rush up the middle negative thirteen yards. So I don't know. I haven't. I didn't really watch it. So maybe it, it appears that probably a bad snap situation. This is my guess. Uh, so you guys are probably actually watching the game. You you, pro- you guys probably actually watched the game. Uh, University of Houston beat Temple in the act. AAC Amer- All American Conference uh, Championship game. Uh, Greg Ward Jr. the uh, the quarterback for uh, University of Houston threw the ball eleven for twenty one eighty eight yards. Ran the ball seventeen times one hundred forty eight yards uh, with two touchdowns. Um, so as a possibility that uh, Houston will get a What's what we used to call a BCS bowl? They're probably gonna end up in the. Uh, I'm guessing. Uh, I I don't know which two bowls they're using for the championship, uh, for the playoffs. But I know I'm I'm guessing they're using the Orange Bowl, and the other bowl would probably be the Sugar Bowl. Now it could be the Fiesta Bowl. So whatever bowl that's not part of that will be the one in which if University of Houston gets in, they'll be playing in. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Stanford would probably end up pl- playing Ohio State in the uh, Rose Bowl this year. So, But we're going to see. We're going to wait and see how this whole thing plays and how the whole bowl selection situation pays off. Um, 
but that's uh, college football. Uh, I'm going to give me. Uh, I'm going to uh, play one last uh, Patrice O'Neill thing because this guy was a, a genius comedian. Uh, like I say, since uh, this was a uh, this is from his old t- uh, old uh, podcast. I mean, not podcast. He used to do a radio show called The Black Phillips Show. And this is actually the initial first episode, beginning of the first episode, uh, talking about what the show is going to be. And I, I always tell dudes, I recommend every guy, every every guy listen to Black Phillip and Beige Phillip. Especially Beige Phillip, but if you're a guy that just who basically get abused by women and don't realize it, you might want to listen to Black Phillip because there's a lot of abuse that goes on that men don't realize we receive. But uh, let's get off. Let me just play this for you guys real quick. Welcome to the Black Phillip Show. I am not Black Phillip. And let's not forget, let's introduce myself. I'm Patrice O'Neill, Black Phillip. And if you, this is your first time listening because, you know, you got somebody out there that's oh, you got to listen to the show and, and what it's about. What it's about, first of all, for any women who are listening for the first time, it's about trying to let you understand why we hate you. <laughs> that's the first, that's the first, like, trickle-down thing is when we say we hate you, it's not about having you murdered. It's not about having you, you know, I want to throw you in a river like these white boys be doing their wives and all that shit. We want to get rid of you. The, the, the hatred is what I'm talking about is before that happens. Before a nigga puts an anchor around your neck and throws you in the water. Before he kills you, you know, he the police know you killed her, but can't find the body and they still charge you and you still go to jail, but you hit the body real good. That type of shit. It's not, a, it's about not like this little dumb motherfucker that went through the mall and shot everybody and his dumb... It's, it's before you get to that level of this is how I'm going to be a star. And basically, guys want to be a star just to get pussy. <clears throat> you know, half the thing is to be a celebrity. What a celebrity is, don't get me wrong, it's to make us match what a vagina is coming in. Like, my status, my status as a human being, as a man, is only here so we have an even level of meeting place for the pussy. Like, the pussy's like, you're a celebrity if you have a pussy. You ever see women walk around the street with sunglasses on because they don't like they don't want to be recognized? Or a beautiful woman that dresses down, she has a hat on and a hair up, sweatpants, trying to look stank and trying, and, and trying to be in her own world with her headphones, and it just be some regular bitch you've never seen before? And you be like, bitch, why are you acting like you Lindsay Lohan, bitch? That's because she's just trying to go, please, 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 no autographs. <laughs> Because that's what that mentality is. So what men have to do is we have to buy a new truck. We have to keep our credit above 700. We have to buy. You see the sexy coats me and Dante have? You think I need a sexy coat with sparkles on it, nigga? You think I need a sexy coat? I'd wear a paper coat, nigga, if I could. If it wasn't for what? Pussy. Trying to get a bitch to look at the sparkles. And then go, okay, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, I'm Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, you seen me on VH1 last year. Remember me? It's just to get her to stop in the street and say hello. And that is uh, the Black Phillip. Uh, actually, I think that was the second or maybe third episode. That wasn't the first episode. <sighs> right now I'm watching uh, the Alcorn State versus Grambling game, 28-14. I, I am, you know what? Because I mentioned the Alabama game, I'm going to change the channel. Uh, 
to that game right now. Um, now, just in case I don't, I don't stay on my ground like I'm supposed to. My my projections are as it stands right now. And I forget that I had this freaking phone on. As it stands right now, my projections on the uh, NCAA playoffs is uh when it happens is I actually believe that the school is gonna come out of it will probably be Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm picking a Big Twelve school that I hate the most. And the reason why is because uh I think at some point, Oklahoma is going to be able to. Uh, uh, Mayfield is going to be able to uh, put the uh, use his mobility, put the ball in the air, put some put up some great numbers. Uh, especially, I don't like everybody talk about how great the SEC schools are. I don't know if uh, if Alabama. First of all, if Alabama pulls this game off against uh, Florida right now because they're they're trailing, but it, I don't see Alabama being able to keep up. Uh, with uh, Florida, I mean, uh, with a uh, oh my god, Alabama being able to keep up with Oklahoma scoring wise, and I think that would be the big difference in that game. Uh, I think Alabama will try to run the ball, run the ball a lot. Uh, I think they're gonna stand steadfast with their running back. Uh, what's the running back name? Uh, Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry, who, who, in all likelihood, if he, he, cause he, uh, in all likelihood, will be the uh, Heisman uh, Trophy winner, uh, unless he just, cause right now he's had, he has ten carries, uh, fifty-one yards, unless he just starts fumbling like crazy in this football game, uh, there, he's gonna be the Heisman Trophy winner uh, this year. That those are two projections. Now, when you're gonna hear me probably do. Hopefully, if I'm on the ground like I'm supposed to be, you're gonna probably hear me uh make that same prediction later on down the line. Um, now NFL, lots changed since the last time I did a show. Uh, the Houston Texans were terrible last time I did the show. Uh, n- uh, now they're just you know they're they're good. The defense, the defense for the Texans have stepped up. Uh, people are talking about how right now um, the NFC is such a toilet bowl conference because you have you have uh, right now you have uh, a bunch of six and five teams right now as the ch- uh, chances are of uh, let's see. Right now, the number, f- the last seed into the East, uh, NFC right now is the Falcons with a six and five record, who are on a four-game losing streak. There's no way of knowing that they may not even win another game this year. Uh, the Buccaneers with a with a five and six record could actually catch them. Even the Saints can catch the Falcons. Um, as of right now, the worst record in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys with a three and eight record. Guess what? The Cowboys are still in the playoff picture. <laughs> That's how bad the NFC is, especially NFC East with a five and six Redskins and a five and six Giants team leads the uh, AFC, NFC East division. Now in the AFC, um, right now 
you have a bunch of six and five teams. Uh, right now, in control of the worst, the uh, the six seed is the Houston Texans with a six and five record. Uh, they are they are tied with the Indianapolis Colts for the division lead. Uh, the Chiefs has the other uh, wild card seed right now. And teams to look out for is the Jets with a six and five record, the Bills with a five and six. Who play the Texans Sunday? So that could be that could be huge in the in the playoff picture this Sunday's game. Uh, you got the Chiefs who play uh, who play Oakland Sunday, and Oakland currently have a five and six record. So uh, don't sleep on these two games Sundays. They have huge implications in the playoff picture because. Either of those teams win, or the Raiders or the Bills, they have a big claim to playoff seeding. Um, especially if the Jets do not defeat the, the Giants Sunday. Um, but right now the Patriots just lost their first game this year. And the only undefeated team right now in the NFL is the Carolina Panthers. Which brings the question, will Carolina lose a game this year? We're going to go through the schedule real quick. Of uh, the likelihood, the remaining games they play Sunday at New Orleans, and then they play uh, the Falcons. Then the, they go to New York against the Giants, and then you go to Atlanta against the Falcons, and then they finish the season off with the Buccaneers. In all likelihood, I don't think they'll go undefeated. I actually believe either the Saints game or Giants or Falcons. One of those three road games will be the likelihood. Of them losing a game because at some point the grind of going undefeated gets to you, and also the fact that those three teams have quarterbacks who on any given night can get hot. Now, also those teams have quarterbacks that on even give any given night they can play terrible. Don't sleep on Jameis Winston at the end of the season; he's improved big time. He got off to a slow start this season, but famous Jameis. Uh, uh, towards the the late part of the season, has been playing some great football. Um, currently, uh, he's throwing uh, 58%, uh, but he has 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, but a, a lot of that has come in the last few games. He's uh, The last game, he, he threw for 245 yards, got a touchdown. And uh, interception, uh, but uh, yeah, James Winston, who's uh, listen, we can go through the last few games against the Eagles. He uh, he threw um, oh man, I'm doing the other thing a lot. He threw five touchdowns, 246 yards against the Eagles. So there's a sign of him stepping up. And uh, let's see, go the Cowboys game. He uh. He didn't play. He he threw two interceptions. He didn't get a touchdown, but he threw for two hundred four uh, sixty four yards. But Winston uh, is looking good as, as a rookie. And like I said, just in case, if uh if the Tampa Bay, I, I'll make this prediction: if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers make the playoffs, James Winston will defeat Marcus Mariota. For uh, Ricky Odio. That is my projection on Famous Jameis. Uh, for as a Mariota, uh, he's actually he's actually having a pretty good year 
for a rookie quarterback. Uh, 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 62% passing, 220, 200, I mean, 2,244 yards, uh, passing rating of 92. Uh, I actually... Now the, the reason, but the reason why I say uh, it, because making the playoffs is a that sways the whole voting. Right now, Mariota's putting up better numbers. I actually, like I said before the season, I actually like both of these rookie quarterbacks. I actually think they they both will play well because people was asking who versus who. I think Mariota is more of the safer guy of the two. Winston is the guy that has the biggest height height. Height, like he can he can go far beyond, uh, but he can also he's the but he's the more likely to be a bust. But as of right now, both guys are not looking like a bust. Both guys are are playing well, and also the uh, be 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 looking out for Peyton Manning to no longer be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. The last couple of games. Uh, the Broncos have started Brock Os- Osweiler, and against the uh, against the Patriots, which gave the Patriots their first loss. He threw for 270 yards, one touchdown, one interception, uh, and also they were able to get their running game going with uh, C.J. Anderson and and uh, Ronnie Hillman. C.J. Anderson with 113 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and running Hillman with 59 yards rushing, uh, 59 yards rushing, one touchdown. And in the previous games against the Bears, which Osweiler got his first start, 250 yards rushing, I mean passing, two touchdowns, and Hillman 102 yards rushing with Anderson with 52 yards rushing, no touchdowns for either one. But what I'm seeing is there's this trend here that the Broncos are able to run the ball with Osweiler more. And I think the reason why is because you can't sit on the short stuff. Because Manning, I said this earlier, Manning cannot throw the ball downfield. So teams are playing up closer towards the line of scrimmage and stopping, uh, stopping the because Manning can't go over with the deep ball. And with Osweiler in there, Osweiler can throw the ball downfield enough that he can he can keep a safety back, therefore uh, keeping a man uh, keeping a, the defense at bay, meaning the running game can get started. Also, the fact is is Osweiler can play under center, unlike Manning. Manning prefers to play in a shotgun, which kind of hurts the running game a little bit. Uh, the, uh, they went with a, uh, what is the, I can't think of the doggone running, uh, running, st- uh, man and running with the pistol offense, uh, because it's, uh, basically a compromise with Kubiak's, which, which runs a West Coast style. If you know the history of the West Coast offense, is basically primarily under center. A lot of crossing routes. A lot of uh, available. Ooh, Nick Saban is ripping somebody out uh, for on the on the bench. But uh, yeah, a lot of short passes. A lot of crossing routes, and then you go over the top every once in a while. 
uh, in Kubiak's system, of the, oh, that's a block and a black. That's the reason why he's uh, Saban's getting off on him. Uh, but uh, a lot of in Kubiak's way of the system, it's a lot of rollout. Man is not that mobile. Oswell's a little bit more mobile. Don't be surprised if this is it for Peyton Manning. We may have seen. There's a possibility we may have seen the last Peyton Manning play of his NFL career. If not, it's a possibility as the last play as a Denver Bronco. They may try to bring him back for the playoffs. I don't know. To be honest, I wouldn't. I would just roll with Osweiler. But you know what? Twenty-something million dollars may may be the reason why they they go with Manning for the playoffs. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Uh, like I say, um, another show in the books. And this is probably my nah. This is not my longest show, but this is up there with one of my longest shows. I think my longest show was a wrestling show. But yeah, we went over an hour today, and that was a little fun. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, keep tuning. Uh, uh, hopefully, I get back on my grind. Fly